Okay, here we get started. So, I have some follow-up. Uh, not 12 hours after we finished recording last time, uh, the aerial tramway is no longer the least used emoji. I told you. Uh, I think your, your support helped, Marlon. Yeah, I think so too. It's changed to now be the input symbol for Latin capital letters, which is a horribly long emoji name. I'm very surprised that the input symbol for Latin capital letters was not already the least used. I have never seen anyone use this. Yeah, I, c- I can't say I have either. Do you guys understand when you would use this? I mean, I can see a lot more uses, use cases for an aerial tramway than a uh, Latin capital letters. Yeah, because if I want to symbolize Latin capital letters, I would just write Latin, Latin capital letters. Rolls off the tongue. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, it's, um, it's great to see that, um, that my emoji sort of got up from, from the bottom now. It makes me want to look more at what other weird emojis are around because I don't know what would sort of face out the, the one that's the lowest now. I'm trying to avoid saying Latin capital letters because it's very difficult to say. So Apple released an update to the 2018 MacBook Pro to supposedly fix CPU throttling. It seems like Apple, there was something going wrong with the thermal throttling issue. I I find it super odd um, what Apple said about what went wrong to say there was a missing digital digital key and now we fixed it is is just a really odd statement because it's giving us more than saying hey something went wrong we fixed it it gives some detail but i don't think i've heard of anyone actually fully understanding what that means i mean a digital key can be a lot of things and everyone kind of i mean people that have a technical understanding might have some interpretation that there is some like uh signing that 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 went wrong and therefore it potentially faulted back to um it's it's kind of default configuration and not what whatever the configuration Apple wanted for 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 their new MacBooks. But it's a really odd statement to me. Yeah, I don't really know why they would make why they would make a somewhat technical statement and say so sort of touch on what went wrong, but not elaborate on it because I think now uh, many people are just trying to speculate what this actually means, and it's it's a bit weird. Uh, I think they could. Maybe just have said something less specific if they didn't wanna if they wouldn't go into more detail about it. I think in general it's um, it's good that the issue is fixed. Um, I think uh, from what I've seen so far, people seem to be seeing um, more of an expected, if not even better, uh, performance from their from their i nine processors in in their MacBooks and. Looks like overall people are happy and can uh, shift their focus again on on keyboard reliability, um, and I think that's in general good. Seems like Apple's done something wrong. Seems to be something in their build pipeline, or I mean, it's it's interesting to to uh, think about how actually Apple actually does all the deployment to all their MacBooks. Uh, would uh, would be nice to at some point hopefully uh, get some more information of how Apple actually does all the 
uh, MacBook production and then flashing of the firmware and kind of how that entire build pipeline works. That would be interesting to know. I doubt we will hear about that ever. Um, but it's interesting that, I mean, uh, I've had uh, issues with code signing before or something going wrong in, in the build system. Seems like Apple has similar issues. Um, it's way more significant when Apple has those kind of issues. Um, but I'm happy that it's fixed. Seems like people are, are way happier about their very expensive MacBooks now. Yeah, yeah, I think you're right. I think they, now people start going back to talking about the keyboard reliability and they're we have also seen some more tests uh, about the keyboard. I think I fixed it. We're the ones that put blue, like blue powder, on the keyboards. Um, so I guess it's it's nice that people are sort of trying to just try out the hardware now. And um, I think it's overall a more positive vibe on the new on the new hardware as well. Um, moving on, I finally installed iOS twelve. Yay! <laughs> <laughs> Emoji of me waving my hands. <laughs> Do you have a emoji yet? Uh, we we did again homework. I call it homework um, because I wouldn't have done it otherwise. Uh, I did create <laughs> uh, an emoji, and it's not looking like me at all. Can I see it? It just looks like a generic guy with slightly longer hair than other people. <laughs> yeah, it doesn't really look like you actually at all. It looks a bit like Prince Charming. I want to make one too, um, so I might use Kai's phone later today and try one. We should update the podcast artwork to have our emojis instead of our faces. After Marlon put all this effort into drawing our cover art, you're <laughs> going for the first chance to throw all that work out. No, 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 just for one episode. Yeah, I feel like I was surprised. I feel like that's something a lot of people would do, but I haven't seen it. I um, haven't looked at other podcasts that I'm not subscribed to, but none of the one I'm subscribed to did it. I'm I'm actually quite happy with the iOS 12 beta so far. Uh, I think I've only had like two crashes: Springboard crashed once and uh, Safari crashed once. And when did you update? Um, a week ago, maybe. An hour ago. Yeah. <laughs> uh, no, probably less than that. Maybe five days ago. I think like a day or two after our last recording. But overall, performance is significantly better for. Uh, I notice it mostly when when the keyboard comes up. The keyboard now pretty consistently consistently comes up instantaneously and uh, with a sixty frames animation. I noticed. I, I remember in iOS eleven there was usually, there was quite a common bug that I experienced when you pull down to search and the keyboard just didn't come up at all. Have you experienced that at all? Uh, not yet. But in general, all of those kind of things. If you go into into search or if you go over to look at your widgets. Um, all of those animations are way faster and you don't really have this kind of stuck state anymore that, that I've had with iOS uh, 11 a lot where I'm just waiting for for views to update. Now it's it's super fast and smooth. Okay, um, so how is uh, screen time treating you, Kai? Um, pretty good so far. Uh, I don't know, I'm, I'm maybe overly competitive. But after seeing my my pickups, I think I started off with about ninety a day. Um, I I kind of set myself a goal of all right, not picking my phone up anymore. So I I aim for zero. Uh, so I basically had one day where I only picked my phone up a couple of times. 
they've gamified phone use for you. Now. I know. That's, that's interesting. And I'm a complete sucker for it. <laughs> so maybe you don't need to buy the next iPhone because you're never picking it up anyways. No, but overall, um, just uh, to, to kind of compare to what you had, I think I'm currently at about three pickups an hour. That's pretty impressive. And around two uh, notifications per hour. Not too bad either. What were you on again? I, I forgot already. I don't, I don't remember exactly, but I think the pickups, I think it was every nine minutes. So what's that, like seven times an hour? Um, I don't remember notification numbers, but it was probably a bit more than two an hour. All right. And um, most of it being uh, mail client uh, calendar and messages. Okay. Yeah. And I think calendar reminders in particular are things you want notifications from anyway. So it's probably not a bad thing. Um, messages, sometimes you want notifications. It was some, um, I think, like online shopping apps where I didn't consciously notice anymore that I did get notifications. So I saw that they were like on the top list of, of apps that sent me notifications. So that was actually quite uh, interesting because I just went in and turned notifications off right there. Um, I was surprised that I would stop noticing that because I'm usually quite strict with not allowing things to notify me if I don't actually want to see them. But for some reason, there were two apps that I didn't no- notice how often they, they send push notifications. So they're gone now. So that was, that was pretty nice. I had my first experience this week with being opted into notifications automatically. You know how that's a feature uh, in iOS 12 mm-hmm. now? Um, I usually don't keep the Apple News app on my phone for various reasons. Uh, but this week I got sent a link with, that was an Apple News link. So I, I reinstalled it to look at the link. And suddenly the app was sending me notifications. Interestingly, the first notification it sent was actually like a, hey, we're going to send you notifications about top stories now. And uh, I think by the second one, I went in and, and removed the app completely from my phone because I know I, I know I could have just turned notifications off, but I don't use the app enough to justify keeping it around. And the notifications really annoyed me. I probably would have forgotten about it otherwise. But yeah, I, I don't know if I like that feature, actually. There's another uh, simple trick for that. You could uh, you could move to Canada. We don't have Apple News yet. <laughs> yeah, that might work too. Yeah, might be might be something you should consider. Um, otherwise, no, I don't really think I've had any any unsolicited uh, notification opt in. What other what other Apple apps do that? I, I imagine all Apple apps would do that, but because I would have set notification preferences for pretty much all of them before updating, I haven't noticed any. Um, but it was just after after reinstalling that news app um, and not having had it on my phone running iOS 12 before that I noticed it. I think it's going to be a bit of an annoyance, actually, uh, when third-party apps have that ability hmm. in September. So we'll see how that goes. Yeah, because I, I, yeah, I actually can't imagine that any third-party app, I, I'm not going to say none of them, but I think there are very few apps that will choose not to opt in. I'm not really sure why you would want to do that. So it might be, it might get annoying, especially for people who are not aware of the quick unsubscribe features. Yeah, definitely. It could lead to even more notification spam because suddenly a bunch of apps you didn't specifically opt into are sending you notifications as well. Yeah, yeah. Anyway. Yeah, let's see. I tried the Indian New Photos app. It now suggests um, to share pictures with, with people that you know that are in your contacts and that you have identified in the photos app so i've tried that today to um from some of our our recent trips uh, in vancouver to share them with marlin 
huh, that's why I sent them. Uh, I, re- I remember receiving them. I was like, oh, that's so nice that he remembered that I wanted those pictures. So, like, how, how good that he put together a list of them. I didn't realize it was generated for you. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, look at that. Shouldn't have sent anything, Kai. Yeah, uh, it's a way of impressing people. Did he actually open them? Not yet. <laughs> but I appreciate the gesture that your phone made. Because I was wondering what it would look like on the receiving end. Let's have a look. Um, I'm opening my messages app, seeing weird pictures of Sky's emoji. So I had to tap to review to see the previews first. Okay, so I was actually directed to uh, Safari, to iCloud.com, I think. Yeah. Beta.icloud.com slash photos. Maybe because you're not running the beta? Yeah, I assume so. And let then... Actually, let me actually try to send you some, Zach, and see if that works any different. Sure. Yeah, so for me, it's basically just an iCloud page, and I get to see um, who shared it, and then it's just a download button. I can also select the independent ones, uh, the individual ones. I'm going to try downloading. Uh, photos are downloading to your device. Check your download folders. Where's my download folders? Oh, 23 photos from Kai. What's the download folder? Is that false? I think it... it Zip the, yeah. It zipped the pictures, and now I have to open. The only option it gives me is open in Spark and more. Ah, uh, so it's a bit different on iOS twelve. Um, it's a rich link in Messages, and when I press on it, it opens what looks to be like a, a Photos app extension view, uh, and I have the option of adding them all to my library with one click, which I just did. Oh, that's awesome, because the only thing I can do now is when I tap download, it zipped all of them, and then I have the zip file, and if I tap more, uh, I can't even save them to photos. It just, like, um, I think the closest I can get um, is save to files. I wonder what happens if I select individual ones. Interesting. Probably an iOS 11 thing. It sounds like that's the experience they want you to have if you look at it on a desktop, uh, which makes sense, Mm. I guess, but... Probably a non-Mac desktop. I mean, if you're running Mojave, you'd probably uh, be prompted to open it in the Photos app. But yeah, on iOS 12, it definitely is all native. And now those photos are in my library. Uh, it didn't take very long at all. I'm appreciating the coffee photos. Mm, awesome. Yeah, I'm looking, um, that's sort of another reason for me to update to iOS 12 now because I think it would be so much smoother. Mm. Yeah, I think uh, Google Photos has done something like this for for a while, but I'm not using Google Photos, so it would be nice to have that in in uh, the native photos app. So I'm actually looking forward to to being able to share those things a lot easier because Molly and I often go on trips together and each of us kind of has half of the pictures and it's, we always say, oh yeah, I take the picture and I send it to you later and then we never do that. So it would be quite nice to just be able to, to share with each other in the end of the trip. Yeah, and I think what will happen then is if you start sharing to me, Kai, uh, and I download them, that will automatically prompt me to share the ones I have as well. That's how it's supposed to work, but we can... Maybe for next week we can try that. But that means I have to, uh, I have to get out of my comfort zone and update my main device. So let's see. Maybe I do it by next week. If Beta 5 comes out this week, you probably should consider it. I think we're at a point where it's stable enough. Yeah, I've, I think this, I have a lot of good reasons to do it. And then I can also make a Memoji for the purpose of this podcast mm. and send it to you. Could be interesting. Mm. Cool. Uh, yeah, probably do that. Oh, this, this is interesting. So I I pressed on the message, like whatever you call it, the message that Kai sent with all the photos, 
Uh, and then I, I pressed to remove all of the photos from my library because obviously they're Kai's photos. Uh, <laughs> and then now the, the preview thing updated to say photos are unavailable. The link has expired. So I guess once you, once you look at it and oh, action it, uh, the link expires, which is a pretty good privacy feature. <laughs> I wonder if, if you now deleted my photos. So I wonder what would happen then if you would share it in a group chat. Would it only be a one-time use link? Uh, or could multiple send that? I to did it? share it in a, in a group, so have a look. Oh, okay. I'm going to have a look. Interestingly enough, these photos are still in my photo library. I wonder if that's a beta bug. <laughs> would be funny if they wouldn't be in my library anymore. <laughs> Maybe check before I delete them all. No, look. Still here. <laughs> cool. All right. I can safely delete them. But I think those are kind of the main things in iOS 12 that I, I noticed and that I enjoy. I think overall it, it seems pretty pretty solid. And um, so far I haven't regretted updating to the beta. I'm actually quite excited about um, the iOS 12 release because I think one of the, the biggest features is definitely all the, all the shortcut stuff. And there's not much use of that until all the third-party developers actually um, compile the apps with uh, Xcode 10. Absolutely. And quite frankly, I'm a little bit disappointed in the lack of support from Apple's own apps. Uh, have you found that they're at all useful? Uh, no. <laughs> <laughs> yep, same. Uh, not really so far. One thing, I don't, I don't think it's directly related to Shortcut, but there was one thing that I thought was a sweet touch that Kai showed me this morning. Um, so if you, have the, if you have Do Not Disturb and you also have screen time synced up with Do Not Disturb, in the morning um, it said... Um, good morning, and it was linked to the weather from the weather app. So it basically said, good morning, Kai, um, this is the forecast for today. And I thought that was quite sweet, and I think that added some nice touch. And um, that, is that, would that technically be related to a shortcut? No, I don't think so. But it's, it is quite nice. You kinda, That's usually what you do in the morning. You kind of check what the weather will be like, get dressed. So I, that, was, that was pretty nice. Um, I also, uh, surprisingly, I also get a lot of use out of uh, the downtime feature, surprisingly, um, because I notice I'm often in a pattern in the evening when I when I go to bed. I start to go through my Twitter list through the timeline, um, and it, just having this kind of additional step of "Hey, you're 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 out of time. Do you actually want to grind yourself another fifteen minutes extension?" is enough to make me not do that and instead sleep, which is pretty good because sometimes I spend like half an hour, 45 minutes uh, going through my timeline instead of sleeping. So um, I didn't think I would I would actually uh, get use out of that or that it would do anything for my usage. Um, but I was positively surprised that that was enough of an extra hurdle to, to um, get me to sleep instead of spending more time on, on Twitter. So far, we'll see how... How it goes in in a few weeks, but for the first few few days, it, it worked on me. But I thought that you were a Twitter uh, completionist. So, how does that work? Do you just decide not to not to read up on it? So, what would happen if you were uh, having a really high um, amount of tweets left? Get through them in the morning. Yeah, but you're using um, Tweetbot, right? So, mm-hmm. wouldn't that mean that um, some of the tweets would be unavailable for you in the morning? I mean, there's a 16, uh, 1,600 tweet limit on the iOS client. That's usually more than enough. I mean, now we're in a different time zone. Uh, there are not a lot of tweets happening over over the overnight when we're here. Yeah. 
Okay, that makes sense. Interestingly enough, with the whole downtime feature, I found the most beneficial use of downtime is not in the evening, but in the morning. So I have it set for usually about 15 minutes uh, after I wake up. Um, so downtime like mm-hmm. is, still, is still on when I wake up. And that's actually really useful. Uh, I'm not going to pretend like I don't break it some days, but it is kind of nice to sort of keep my phone distraction free in the morning. Um, I mean, I usually, well, I have to check the Dexcom app as soon as I wake up. Uh, I think I have music and podcasts like excluded from the downtime list, uh, but it's quite nice to actually not see any Twitter notifications, not see any message notifications. I will admit that's the one I, I often do break um, mm-hmm. and not see any email notifications. And then sort of I deal with them when I get on the bus and you know I'm in a, in a better mood and ready to deal with the day, I guess. So are you, you mentioned that you check uh, the Dexcom app. Are you able to actually allow the Dexcom notifications to be seen during the downtime? Yeah, so any app that you exclude uh, is excluded from downtime, and that also means that the notifications are still sent through. Okay, that's really nice that you can be that selective about it. Yeah, it, it's, it's quite good. Uh, I mean, there are certain apps that I never want uh, as included as part of downtime, like things like notes in particular. I mean, kind of any time of day you might want to write something down quickly and to have to go through the hurdle of, of unlocking it can be a bit of a pain. Um, but then again, notes is not the kind of app that I'm losing half an hour to just scrolling through past notes in. So it's not really an issue not having it locked down uh, certain times of the day. Yeah, yeah. No, I think that's a good idea. It's like it's 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 not like you would put a notebook or pen and paper on lock during the night. So it makes sense to have access to that. Exactly. I'm wondering, Kai, if you've set any time limits on apps. Uh, I think they call it app limits. Uh, no, I haven't so far. Do you see that as something that could be useful? Overall, I'm pretty all right with how I spend my time anyway. So even if I look now at usage st- uh, statistics, it's mostly things that I wouldn't really exclude anyway. Uh, I mean, I, I know I spent some time on Twitter reading my timeline, but it's not like I would read any faster. And considering that I'm a completionist, for my timeline anyway, uh, it's not really, a time limit wouldn't really have any useful impact on me. And otherwise, it's a pretty mixed usage of things like messages and Safari. And I don't really have specific apps that I want to use less. For me, it's very much about the times I use the app, not the total amount of time I'm using apps. Yeah, that's fair enough. How about yourself? Uh, the same as last time. So I think I mentioned last time that I have Tweetbot mm-hmm. and Slack lockdown, um, which is enough to sort of stop me using it after X amount of minutes. Um, the limits have stayed the same. I think 40 minutes during mm-hmm. the week and 25 on weekends. Uh, seems to be working well. I mean, one of the problems is, I guess, I, you know, on the weekend in particular, uh, a lot of the Twitter browsing will be on the Mac. Mm-hmm. Um but that is what it is. I guess I can set limits there if it, if I ever feel that it's too much of an issue. Mm. So you mentioned that you have it on Slack as well. Um, is that because you're like, wh- why do you need to do it on Slack? Isn't that sort of like putting it on messaging or mes- messages? Yes and no. So it's not so much about like work Slack. It's more about um, like, I mean, a few other Slack, Slack groups, I guess communities, I think they're called. And, it can be quite nice to just sort of browse through and, and see what's being said, uh, certain developer communities, for example. Uh, but also that is a, a bit of a time sink sometimes, uh, just like just like Twitter. Um, I know sometimes, you know, you're lying in bed on the weekend, like 
Saturday morning or whatever and you're going through Twitter and then I flick over to Slack and see what, you know, catch up what's happening in those groups and it's, it's kind of nice sometimes but also it's something I've got to be careful of not spending too much time on. Um, so it is very much like uh, a social network in that sense. Okay. Yeah, yeah, that makes sense. I guess it's sort of like a Facebook equivalent. Yeah, I mean, it's, it's, there's always things to read, always things to see. So in that sense, yeah, it is a bit like um, the other social networks. Hmm. Yeah, it makes sense. So, Marlon, we went to, to a uh, meetup yesterday. Was it yesterday? I think it was two days ago. Yeah. And I noticed your, your, your storytelling uh, style has, has shifted a bit. Um, what happened there? <laughs> <laughs> I know, I know. It's really bad. I've been recording, pod, what is this, the sixth episode? And I'm already changing the way I'm speaking to people in, 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 my, in the rest of my life. It's really weird. But what I noticed is that I wanted to, tell, I wanted to talk about this app that I've been using. Or actually, I basically wanted to talk, tell a story about how this app influenced me at one point. Um, and this was Flux, um, the app called Flux. I'm not going to explain it again, because then it's basically a, a repeat of what I did at the, at the meetup. Uh, but what Kai noticed afterwards, which I completely agree with, is that when I started talking about Flux, I had this like outline of how my conversation will go. So I basically started saying, like it was basically like a built-up conversation so i was like i'm gonna talk about this this is what flux is like i just assumed that people didn't know what it was without even asking i was like i'm gonna explain what flux is now and then i'm gonna express my opinion about flux and it was really weird and it felt like i was by default talking to an audience and it turns out everyone in that group knew what flux was <laughs> how big was the meetup group um, so the meetup group is, so, so this conversation was not, it wasn't like I was standing on stage and talking about Flux. I, this was just a conversation I had between three other people. Um, so that's the bad part. It's not like I, it's not like it was a big audience and I couldn't ask them um, if they don't know what I'm talking about. Um, but um, meetup is probably, they were probably, I think there were 100 people RSVPing, but they were probably about... 60 at once it's really hard for me to judge it was it was quite a big group yeah so my point is sort of that i think it's i think it's good and bad that i'm starting to like change the way i'm telling stories and i've already noticed that me recording podcasts changes the way i'm talking and i think it's for for the better because it was quite good at telling a story but in the same time um it wasn't really necessary in that scenario but yeah, to get back to the meetup, the meetup was really good. Um, it was nice to attend some of the local meetups here in Vancouver. And this was a nice barbecue meetup. So we were out on a patio and had a barbecue together. And yeah, it was it was really nice. I think it's important to have a good um, community in the city. And it was quite nice to attend that. Was it an iOS meetup? Yeah, it was an iOS and Apple meetup, basically. So this is one of the two that are the two two biggest ones for iOS uh, in Vancouver. Uh, we haven't been to the other one yet. I think they might put one together quite soon. So yeah, there there. It's nice to see that there is a community here too because I do. Um, I did really enjoy the the meetup community in Sydney, and I really liked being at Cocoa Heads and um, 
being a co um, and organizing Cocoa Heads. Um, so it's nice to see that there is a community here too, and people are really excited. And everyone, people were talking about the apps that they're working on, so it's really nice to see. I don't know if you two have seen the news, but it looks like uh, Slack acquired HipChat and Stride in some kind of weird uh, collaboration where um, Slack pays Atlassian over the next three years an undisclosed sum, and in return, uh, Atlassian also gets uh, some equity from Slack. Yeah, it's, it's a bit strange. Yeah, I wasn't sure if I read that right when I read it. Um, it was a little bit strange that they were acquiring them, but then Atlassian gets the gets the in, the share as well. Mm. So it was an interesting deal. I think it's almost an exchange, right? So Atlassian get quote unquote free investment in Slack, and Slack get Atlassian's IP, I guess. But it's mostly it, it seems to be mostly about the user base, like the customer base, rather than the any of the uh, apps or development efforts or anything. It seems like they are just migrating users over to, to Slack rather than actually using anything that HipChat or Stride offered. Yeah, that's that's what I thought too. But I think I think that's a little bit strange because I thought many people who use HipChat and Stride, they're usually using other, like the companies I worked on that used HipChat, they usually used uh, other Atlassian products. I wonder how happy they will be now to move over to being Slack users. Um and I'm not sure if they're still going to be able to, It's if it's going to be a new bundle, that if they sign up for Atlassian, they also get some, um, like, uh, they also get Slack. But I believe that's not the case. But yeah, I think it was, um, it was interesting to see that they were acquired. And I think it's a bit unfortunate, because I think um, I, I did use HipChat um, before. And I wasn't a big fan of the tool, and I, I would say that I probably preferred Slack a bit more. Uh, but then I, when I saw Stride coming out, I was quite excited because I know I was hoping that companies that used to use HipChat would go over to using Stride. And then I thought that would be quite a good combination for companies to, to be able to have the whole Atlassian suite. And hopefully that would integrate quite well with Jira. So for example, if I want to write a ticket number, I'm not sure if this is what how it worked, but I think I could imagine that if you write like a Jira, Jira ticket number or you're referencing um, a pull request that you have open in uh, Bitbucket, it would integrate quite nicely in the UI of Stride. Um, so it's a bit unfortunate that they that they are sort of removing that app completely now. Uh, and I also think it was a really nice looking app um, that Atlassian had. So it's probably, I think people probably like Slack as well, but I think that Stride had potential. It's sad to see that we're not getting to see what else, what else they're going to do with that product. Will Slack finally invest in a native Mac app? Yeah. I don't know. I'm hope It'd be nice. I'm hoping with um, Project Sneak Peek that they might be able to port their iOS app uh, into having the, that on, on the Mac. But at the same time, um, Slack, want, Slack wants to support all other... Um, they want to support Windows and other platforms too. So in the same time, it probably makes sense for them to keep the Electron app around. Uh, so I'm not sure if they're going to jump on that or what the plan is. Well, I mean, they have a migration hub on their website. This seems interesting. Um, so they're already sort of getting into the, the migration business of moving moving their users across to Slack. Um, 
And I mean, Slack's just going from strength to strength at the moment. So it'll be interesting to see um, what they can do with an even larger user base. Uh, it's probably not good for any any competitors that are trying to break into the market. But apparently, uh, I saw in the Verge article, they uh, referenced Microsoft Teams as one of the main reasons for, for that kind of collaboration to compete with Microsoft. And I didn't even realize Microsoft Teams was a competitor. I haven't even I haven't used it. I have never heard anyone using that. I didn't think that was a big enough product to actually uh, feel both Slack and HipChat to be threatened. Yeah, yeah, that's interesting. I've got no clue how big they are, but I do know one person who uses it <laughs> daily at work, and they seem to be a fan. So it mustn't be too bad. Yeah, I can imagine there might be people who use other Microsoft products um, who would who would go with their solution instead of um, Atlassian. And it was probably a big competition for Atlassian because Atlassian sort of tries to appeal to, to like an enterprise and sell it as a package. And it might have been more difficult for people who already are on the Microsoft suite. So that might have been why. But I was definitely hoping that this would lead to some healthy competition for Slack. Um, like you said, Slack, it was a bit... It's a bit frustrating that uh, Slack is not a native Mac app, and I was hoping that this might push them to to doing a um, to doing more work on on the on the Mac platform. Um, so I was hoping that when Stride is out, that's going to be very good for Slack, and Slack is going to keep on improving. Um, or maybe Stride is even better, and um, many people, many companies decide to move over to Stride. So it's um, it's a bit unfortunate to get away to, to to remove that healthy competition. But yeah, maybe we should check out what was the what was Microsoft's called? Teams. Ma- teams. Microsoft Teams. Ma- just Microsoft Teams. Seems like a difficult thing to Google for. Um, I, I just went to the website, and the first thing again is, "Hey, do you want to subscribe to Office 365?" Every time I, I look into any Microsoft Office, they try to push me. They try to push me towards their their Office suite, and I'm not interested in most of their Office program uh, applications. I don't know why. I mean, it seems to work for them, but it's for me as a user who is not interested in their in in any of the other Office more traditional Office applications. I always feel like I have to pay for things I'm not using just to get the one thing I actually want to try. Yeah, I guess that's Microsoft's core business these days. I mean, they do they do have a free plan. Um, so you could, could you try only Microsoft Teams? Yeah, they, they do have a free plan similar to what Slack offers. And I think it's in direct competition to Slack to kind of have this free plan to get into it. Um, but it's as soon as you have to pay, you're you're back into Office 365 subscriptions. Hmm. All right, we should download it and try it out. At least have a have a look at this and have a comparison. We can move the SoCast chat to Slack. Sorry, to Teams. Wouldn't be terrible because at the moment we just have an iMessage group, and I think it is a little bit difficult to. It's impossible to search for anything. Yeah, that part's a bit difficult. So Kai, you like lists, right? I like lists. I like ordered lists. Um, and I wanted to somehow find a way of getting a ordered list into our podcast. So I thought, we're, we're mostly talking about tech and iOS and Apple stuff. So how about we, we add a list of, um, of iOS apps into our list? And they're ordered by what we consider, the three of us consider to be kind of the best to to uh, less good. 
Um, and over time, as we uh, add to that list, we, we each of us adds one item to the list. We kind of talk about where we think it should fit and then place it somewhere in that list. And then we just keep adding to that uh, with each episode. Probably, I would say for now, we can try to start with one, one app uh, per person per week. And then we can see how it goes and kind of uh, potentially change the rules as we get there. Yeah, I think that sounds good. Um, I like lists too. And I like to, I think it's something fun that we can later on get back to and reorder it and try to figure out why we should put one over another, one app over another. So I think that sounds like fun. And it might be uh, like a living document. So as we, uh, as there might be new updates for specific apps, it might uh, move up the list or down the list. And we can kind of just somewhat, um, keep the list in mind and kind of uh, periodically check whether we think it still kind of aligns with where we think things should be and and figure out uh, where things should be or where should things should move. or And then we might later add special rules for specific events or conditions or whatever. We'll see. It's just a starting point of somehow getting a list into this, into our conversation and then we see how we go from there. But and I don't I mean, necessarily think it has to be our favorite app or a good app either. Like it could just be an app that caught our, like caught our eyes the last week. Like for example, if you've been browsing through the apps that Apple is promoting, like maybe you've been looking at some, um, like a specific game, but it might not be your favorite game. It's more a, ga- a specific thing that stuck out for you. Yeah, but it's that's that's more of I I might mention an app at some point in a few weeks that is not. An app I think is particularly great, but the list still has to be sorted by what we think are good good apps or good games, right? Yeah. So the the order is still kind of by most important and most impact for us, or most um, an app that we think is kind of the the best app or, or great or app. just thought provoking. Uh, looking at our show notes, it looks like all of you have done your homework. All right, so Zach, what's um, what's your app of choice? Uh, I've chosen one password to kick things off. Cool. Um, so I choose Things. Um, I know this should be an iOS list, but I do also want to mention that they have a nice Mac app. First time we're doing this and you're already breaking the rules, Marlin. Um, Th- this specific rule wasn't told to me before. <laughs> there are no not yet. We'll get there. <laughs> um, and mine is Tweetbot. That's a surprise. <laughs> uh, also quite fitting after. Yeah, after Kaya basically announcing his addiction to it earlier <laughs> in the episode. But I also, I, I feel like now it's a good time for that because uh, we probably get into that topic at some point in the future. But at the moment, it is still a uh, Twitter API. So I, I had to pick it as uh, soon as possible while it, it's still a fully fully working Twitter client. Fair point. All right, so I think uh, we'll briefly explain what each of the three apps does or what it is, uh, and then we'll get on to discussing where they belong in the list. Uh, so one password. It's a password manager. Surprise. Um, pretty important type of app. <laughs> um, sort of the idea behind a password manager is, I mean, it's not a good idea to have the same or similar passwords reused across multiple sites and services that you uh, that you visit. So a password manager aims to sort of generate unique, strong passwords for you for each website that you visit and then sort of deals with 
handling and storing those passwords. Um, a lot of password managers have great features like autofilling on web pages. Um, so, you know, you don't actually have to remember the password. Um, even just being able to generate strong, secure passwords is quite good, uh, quite a good feature. Uh, and then, of course, syncing them between all your devices and making sure they're secure. Uh, most of these, these password manager services, one password uh, as well, has the idea of one password, uh, which, you, which you use to get into and access all of your passwords. Yeah, that's sort of an overview. How about things, Marlon? <laughs> so things is yet another greatly named to-do list app. I feel like there's so many to-do list apps and they're always sort of having like a slightly difficult name to actually search for um, and talk about. Um, but basically what things is, is that it's a to-do list. And what I really like about it is that you can make it as complicated as you want. Um so you can start, um, they do have a few different views. So it has like a regular inbox and that's basically where all of the ones that you just add um, can land by default. So that's like the, the default one. But then you also have um, already when you install the app, there are some uh, some lists that are set up for you that you can decide to choose to use or not. Uh, so one is um, a today list. Um, and once you add something to your inbox, you can mark it with today. Um, and then it will be moved into the today list. Uh, and then you can also do upcoming, which can also integrate with your calendar. So if you have an upcoming event uh, or a reminder, that will be added there as well. Uh, and then you have a anytime, which is basically... I think the thought behind this is that you should go through your inbox and then actually sort them out if you want to do them today or if you want to do them like um, like an upcoming upcoming event uh, or if you want to actually add it just if you just wanna you just wanna do it sometime um, or actually you just wanna do it anytime and then we do have a sometime list which I never used uh, I'm not really sure what you should use anytime or what you should use someday for. Um, but yeah, those are the basic lists that it comes with. And what I really like with it is that um, you can keep on adding your own list. So I'm quite granular about it. So I have, um, I don't even want to mention how many lists I have, uh, but it's more than 10. Uh, and what you can do as well is if you have like certain, like if you have multiple lists that are related to something, uh, you can just put them together um, like in a, in a section um, or like under a sublist. So, for example, what, what one thing I have is I have a blog sublist, or that's like a header header blo um, header to do list. And then within the blog, I can add uh, multiple other to do lists. So, for example, I have one for each post I ever wrote, and then each of those to do lists have different things about like different actions for each blog post. Uh, so, I think it's really good that you can really sort of put it as a folder structure for yourself, uh, and then. Uh, once you added the items into those lists, you can also um, mark them as something you want to do on a specific day. Um, so it's quite nice. You can keep them in a list, but you can also sort of organize them for like when you want to do them. So it's quite neat. So it was a long explanation, but yeah, it's a very good list. And I think it's something I'm using on a regular basis. And yeah, it's it's really cool that they have a Mac app as well, because I think there are not that many to-do list apps that have both, that, both a good Mac app and a good uh, iOS app. All right, and for me, uh, Tweetbot. I, I think Tweetbot probably doesn't require as long of an explanation. Uh, it's it's just my Twitter client of choice for I think seven years now. Um, it, I've I've 
probably used Tweetbot daily for those seven years. Um, uh, it was uh, back in 2011 was notable, I think, for kind of two things that I th still think are kind of uh, really nice touches to a Twitter client. Uh, one is that you can uh, swipe over the tweet to then see all the responses to a tweet to kind of have like a type of thread view for the responses and then responses to each to each of those replies which which was a really nice way of kind of at least for me to see if someone writes a tweet about something and I want to see what other people thought about that tweet you can kind of swipe over it and kind of see a discussion that was unfolding under that um, but it doesn't clutter your your timeline otherwise and then I think the other thing that's um, was kind of like a I believe Tweet was the first app that I've seen that doing is kind of the, if you have a table view and you select a, a, a tweet, it would kind of, there was a like a quick action bar that was expanding. And since then, uh, some other apps have um, kind of implemented that. Like uh, Overcast is doing that. If you select uh, a podcast, um, it kind of expands and you have kind of quick actions under there to play and add it to, to playlists and those kind of things. And Tweetbot is at least the first app that I remember that have um, that have had that type of interaction, and because of those things and kind of the, the extensive usage I get out of that, and them again also having a good um, macOS and iOS app, and because I'm reading every single tweet in my timeline, um, uh, Tweetbot supports syncing between the the Mac. Uh, client and the iOS client, which is uh, obviously quite useful if if you're uh, trying to read every single tweet in your timeline. Um, I would, uh, I would. That's why. That's why I selected Tweetbot, and that's also. Um, I mean, we don't have rules yet, so I'll just jump right into and say why uh, that those are the reasons why I also think Tweetbot should start uh, at number one because I can't think of. Well, while I'm also using both things and one password, I don't think I can. Either of those apps are apps I've used consistently on a daily basis for the last seven years and um, thoroughly enjoyed as much as I did enjoy Tweetbot. So that's interesting. Um, I don't. I don't actually disagree that Tweetbot probably ranks above both one password and Things. Uh, but for slightly different reasons. I haven't used things and I've, I'm more of a recent 1Password user. I've used Tweetbot for, for way too long. Um, but it's more about, I think, the things that both 1Password and things uh, do can be done in other apps, maybe not as, as well or maybe not in the way that you quite like. Uh, but I think the thing with Tweetbot is it is actually quite unique. Um, one of the, the things with the Twitter client is the experience and the interactions and, and that uh, that you have with the app. And I think Tweetbot does a lot of a lot of UI things quite differently to other apps. I know Kai, you mentioned the the tapping uh, a table view cell and, and having the the drawer expand. Uh, that's quite a nice interaction. Um, I just, I mean, I have used other uh, Twitter clients and I haven't found any that I like quite as much as Tweetbot. Uh, I have definitely used other reminder-based and other password manager apps and have found that they're all pretty similar. Um, so, yeah, I mean, a slightly different reason, but I probably don't uh, don't disagree there. Um, what are your thoughts, Marlon? I agree. It has very unique features. And, yeah, I guess I had to do this. I could do another way. So I could, like, 
uh, I know that you, Zach, you think you're using like just a regular notebook document to write your to write your to do list, and I think I can definitely do that. Um, but I think having a nice to do list app is something that really encourages you to actually um, utilize it and look back at it, and um, it's if you can keep on organizing it uh, as you go, I think that's really saving you some time. Uh, but I do agree. I think um, it is quite. Tweetbot does bring some quite unique features. But in the same time, I do also think that 1Password is quite an important app in comparison to the other two apps we mentioned. I think if you don't have your um, Twitter client of choice, I think you will be fine. But I think something like 1Password is something that really helps you out in like keeping your keeping all of your information secure, um, keeping note like you can even keep uh, some notes in in 1Password, and I think that's really neat. Um, but now I think, yeah, there are there are other password managers managers that you can use for that. Um, so maybe Tweetbot should be on top. Yeah, I mean, I added one password to the list because I think, in general, having a password manager on the list is essential. And uh, as a general rule, a password manager is an essential app. But I just I don't think it has to be one password. I mean, that's my my password manager of choice for the moment, and I, I believe for both of you it is mm-hmm. as well. Um, and it is super important to use one and the features it offers are great, uh, but there are alternatives. Whereas I think for, for Tweetbot, if you if you are like Kai and really, really like keeping up with your Twitter feed and enjoy the experience Tweetbot provides, there really is no alternative. You don't want to go back to the main Twitter app um, and you probably aren't a huge fan of, of some of the other clients as well um, or, or just don't prefer them as much. Mm-hmm. All right. So that was agreeing on the first one was was easy then. So we have Tweetbot on one. So now between one password and things, um, I actually think that's quite difficult um, for me at least. One password is again a thing that I've used. I, I think I've actually used one password for longer than I've used a Tweetbot. Um, so it's also something that I've been using for a long time and got a lot of value out of it over over the years. Um, but I think from an app perspective, I think things is more it, it is more of a pleasant and surprisingly delightful UI. It is very it's it's fun. They have this kind of floating plus button in, in the bottom uh, corner on iOS and you can drag it in any place in the UI and depending on where you drag it, it either creates a new uh, uh, task or it creates a new project, and it's kind of this contextual thing that you dra- drag into multiple places and then kind of has a nice springy animation to, to open the next um, the next step of, of the to-do list, and everything is kind of looking nice and, and kind of delightful to use. So I do think it's, it's, um, it is definitely a, a very polished, nice... Uh, uh, experience to to use that app. Well, one password I feel is a more essential app and something that I've definitely get more use out of. But it's more the the iOS app is a bit more. Uh, it's very utilitarian. It is utilitarian. It serves the purpose, but it's not particularly nice to use. No, it's not bad to use, but it's not pleasant. Yeah, but ideally, you shouldn't use it that much either. It should be something that's integrated into websites and other apps. And you should just go for go there and search for whatever you need, 
So I guess in that sense, you shouldn't have to spend that much time on it. It's sort of like if you would have a if you would have an ad blocker, the ad blocker app doesn't have to be nice. It just has to fulfill fulfill the functionality. Mm. That's true, and you almost interact more with the extensions uh, in the iOS app than you do with the main uh, main version of the iOS app. So it's almost more important for the extensions to work well and to to function and to be nice. And that's why why I actually think for me, one password over time kind of dropped in in significance because um, I use at least on iOS, I use uh, the the keychain a lot more just because it's really. It's a lot nicer and easier to use at the moment. Uh, I think that might change in iOS 12 because I, I assume 1Password, the team uh, will jump on the new APIs to integrate with the kind of automatic password sh- suggestions and autofill. So because of that, I would argue that to put 1Password in third for now and then revisit it as soon as iOS 12 ships. I'm happy with that. Yeah, that sounds fair. All right, cool. So we... We started our list. So at the moment we have Tweetbot on one, uh, Things on two, and one password on three. So it's actually interesting that we all picked apps where there is a Mac client uh, for the app as well. Yeah, and I think that might have had some influence on us choosing those apps in the first place. Um, so it will be interesting once we get away from apps because I, I don't think that any, like, non. It's not at all like that many apps that I'm using on iOS that actually have Mac clients. So I think after a while we will probably look at different criteria. Um, but I think it's definitely having a positive influence uh, impact um, that those apps do have Mac apps as well. Yeah, definitely agree. But they're also apart from Tweetbot, I think all of those apps are uh, both uh, both things and One Password are apps that m- don't really make sense to just use as a as an iOS as balloon, because I think something like a to-do list manager um, or a to-do list is something that you really want to have access to while you're sitting down and doing some real work. Uh, and I think it's the same with something like one password. It would be really difficult if you just store your password on one device. You want to have it on both platforms. Definitely. I mean, I wouldn't even consider using one password if it didn't have a Mac uh, <laughs> version of the app and i imagine it's the same for things for you with things yeah definitely Um, maybe not so much the case with tweetbot um but yeah for the for things in one password definitely that mac app sort of makes the experience what it is i mean you need a mac app if you have more if you're more than 1600 tweets behind (laughs) yeah but i wonder how many people are (laughs) tweets on their mac anyway i mean we're weird aren't we we're willing to pay 20 plus dollars for a, a Mac Twitter client, um, but how many people are? All right. Um, I think we're going to go and get some dinner. So it's great chatting to you, Zach. Talk to you next week. I, I think he's actually dead this time. <laughs> <laughs> oh, I was speaking the whole time, but my mic was off. <laughs> <laughs> well, that's the after show.